It's the H-Dog Pod with your host, Michael the Hound Dog Harrison. Hey, and welcome to episode seven of the H-Dog Pod, the Doug Flutie edition of the podcast. Doug Flutie, of course, the quarterback in the CFL and the NFL, who was incredible despite the fact he was very, very short, electric, still unbelievable. The Buffalo Bills replaced him in the wildcard game, the Music City Miracle against Tennessee for Rob Johnson. They lost that game in the last seconds. Should have started Flutie. They probably would have won the game. Very, very excited for this podcast to have on a legend, absolute Butron, TSN's own Rod Smith. He'll be with me in a few minutes. We'll get to him very, very shortly because I just, I love this guy so much. Yes, of course, is it a bit of a ass kiss? Perhaps so. But no, honestly, he's the nicest man in the business and we'll have a ton of fun talking to him. No question about that. And one thing I probably would love to discuss with Rod Smith is if this drives him crazy like it drives me nuts. I cannot stand people who say a score of a sporting event, for example, if the game was 5-2 for the Blue Jackets over the Maple Leafs, and they say the Leafs lost 2-5. No, 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 no. You lost 5-2. You did not lose 2-5. That makes no sense. That's backwards. It only works in like tennis and soccer where, you know, the competitor they won, Denis Shapovalov won 7-6, uh, 4-6, 6-4, for example. That works if it's specific to the sport. But you do not ever, this is a massive PSA, I promise you, that is completely wrong, and you don't want to sound like a moron, really. Let's be honest. You don't want to sound like a moron saying, oh, the Maple Leafs lost the game 3-5. No, they lost 5-3. to three. Or even it's even more common, I notice, actually, in series when say a team is down to exactly down to nothing a lot of times people will say they're down oh two you're not down oh two that's an oxymoron you can't be down oh two you're down to oh so don't do the oxymoron don't be a moron say it correctly i'm gonna ask rod smith if this drives him crazy as well maybe there'll be some other pet peeves of his i i'll be so gutted i will be crushed my soul will be destroyed if rod smith's like yeah I call it 2-5. It doesn't really bother me at all. I really, truly hope he doesn't do that. But I will be asking him that in a moment. You know what? Let's get to him. Rod Smith, legend, TSN anchor, CFL on uh, TSN host. Let's go. Okay, and now welcome on a man who's been a mainstay at TSN since the 1980s and is the host of SportsCenter and the CFL on TSN. While he's not the Denver Broncos receiver who won two Super Bowls, it is someone even more legendary, TSN's Rod Smith. Welcome to the H-Dog pod. Oh, that's awesome, Mikey. Thank you. I'm also not the guy who was a running back for the Dallas Cowboys that later went to the Raiders. Now I don't know where he is, but yeah, this is what happens. It's kind of similar for you when you get a more common name, right? Yeah. Yeah. Rod Smith, actually, that guy, uh, that running back started off with the Seattle Seahawks. They caught him and yeah. he bounced around the league. Uh, yeah. So you, you don't have a Mike Harrison in the NFL. Like, you, remember Marvin Harrison. That's probably, is that as close as you got? Uh, I'd say so. I've always actually wanted an athlete that had my uh, last name on it. Like uh, yeah, Seattle yeah. drafted Kristen Michael, a running back, a couple years ago. And I thought, well, that'd be kind of cool if he ends up being a good player. I could actually have my name on the back of the jersey without looking stupid. But uh, right. unfortunately, never really amounted to much. So, Well, you could, you, I mean, you could have got an M. Harrison one, like for Marvin Harrison back when he was starring with Indy. That was a few years ago. Yeah, but then then people would think I'm a Colts fan, and obviously I'm a Seattle oh, you don't fan. Want that. Yeah, oh, kind of. Yeah, your team's the Seahawks, right? Yeah, of course. Yeah, so oh, that would be kind of awkward yeah. if yeah. So. There you go. Yeah. Okay. Well, I was gonna say first question, Rod. I've compiled a, uh, approximately about eighty-seven questions that I could ask you. Uh, are you cool okay. if I uh, if I ask you all of them, or? 
Yeah, let's do it. Like there might be one word answers though. It's like <laughs> make sure they can all make sure they can all be answered with a yes or a no. So you just keep asking. I'll just yes, no, well, maybe. Side sometimes, tangent. Always, I, never. Yeah. I had an uh, interview when I was in college uh, with a guy. Uh, it was supposed to be about wine. Literally, that's exactly what he did. It was like a half hour interview. <laughs> yes, no, yes, no. Oh my god, I, I must have gotten through like fifty questions in like ten minutes. Yeah, and uh, I was like, "Okay, do you have any uh, stories about wine?" He's like, "No, yeah. not really." Oh boy, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you better be locked and loaded then. Yeah, I, I used to. That was in one journalism class. I remember in school, they used to be. It was kind of as a joke, but you know, um, you know, never ask a question that could be answered with a yes or no. But my experience, if people want to talk to you, it doesn't matter. They'll talk to you, and if people don't want to talk to you, um, they'll find another way. They'll find another one single word to use just to answer your question. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That might, um, have you ever had like what's the worst experience you've had with that? Is it has there ever been an interview where you're I, just I like, do remember oh, my a God, few. Man. I mean, of a, of a higher profile, and this would have been in the late '80s as a reporter covering the Maple Leafs. Uh, Wendell Clark, who uh, I I really admired, and most you know that you know they grew up cheering for the Leafs. I mean, really admired him. But he could be a, a tricky interview if he didn't. Uh, he certainly didn't suffer fools, and if he didn't like the line of questioning or just something that he was tired of talking about, he could be awfully abrupt. And it's funny because I remember seeing him years later up at TSN. I guess he was in for uh, something long after his playing days and uh, had a great chat with him. I remember walking away thinking, why couldn't he be that talkative when I was flipping through my notebook? Because I had about two or three questions. That's all. He answered them all in the sum total of about six seconds. And I had nothing left. And I was still needing to get a sound bite that I could use for my story. So that was tricky. I feel especially with hockey players that they're definitely like, well, I'm not, I'm not so sure about back then, but they're obviously coached like media coached so unbelievably well now that they give nothing, yeah. which is like frustrating because obviously as media members, we want that good soundbite, but it's so uh, few and far between. Well, a story I heard actually involving Wendell Clark. Uh, I don't know if this was true, but I could believe it to be true that he once told Eric Lindros in Lindros's early days, if you want the media to get off your back, be boring, give a boring interview. It's <laughs> <That's laughs> actually pretty good advice. If you don't want to be hounded because eventually it's like, well, they don't say anything. So go on to somebody else. But I guess that's the trouble though, when you're one of the big stars and you're the, you're the, you're the must, uh, you're the must get as, as a player, regardless. I mean, those microphones are still going to end up in front of his face, but not, actually not, not the, not the side that I'm on now, but from the other, th- I, from the other side, I thought I, that's actually pretty good advice. <laughs> yeah, that's That is pretty good. Now I mentioned, mm-hmm. uh, obviously you're the C- uh, CFL and TSN host, uh, the CFL and the NFL have uh, proposed a playoff changes. Uh, what are your thoughts on those, and do you like them? Um, well, they, uh, you know, giving an NFL team another chance to uh, giving one more team uh, another chance to make the playoffs. They we're talking about adding that too, and adding a game to the uh, to the regular season, right? Yep. So adding an adding an extra wild card, and then only one team would get a bye. Um, you know, instead of two of them uh, in the conference. So I don't, I don't really mind that. I mean, there are 32 teams. So, and as it stands right now, you got four division winners. So you get six from each. So that's 12 out of 32 making the playoffs. You're talking about adding two more. Um, you know, that's certainly from a CFL point of view. I don't find that outrageous because two thirds of the teams make it in the CFL being a nine team league and six making it. So I don't have any problem with that. And I, you know, adding that extra, you know, that extra game, obviously they're looking, you know, it's a chance for the owners to cash in, make a little bit more money too. I'll be curious to see if the players uh, ratify the deal though, as it stands right now. 
Right. And uh, on that CFL panel that I was just discussing, uh, you have some good personalities. I love the panel. I think it's really, really entertaining and fun. Uh, but who's the most Thank annoying you. on that panel? Uh, probably me. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, they're all, you know, the, here's the easy answer. And I know you'd love me to uh, give you one name, but uh, they're all they're all good guys. And yet they can all um, they all know how to be abrasive in a, in a funny sort of way. Milt, especially Milt is the one that uh, he loves to be on the edge, more provocative. He loves to argue. He'll sometimes deliberately pick fights just for fun. And yet once, uh, you know, we'll all joke about it once it's off. But, he, you know, you need you need people that are good at arguing and he knows how to um, jump in and engage. But I mean, Matt and uh, Henry, like Henry's probably, you know, the new guy, the nicer guy coming in. But with him and he's quickly figured it out, of course. I don't think he was crazy about any of us a few years ago when he was playing, when he told us all to shove it. Um, but then we, and we gave it back to him, you know, when he came and joined us, we told him to shove it, but it's been a lot of fun both ways. And the thing with, uh, with Hank to, um, you know, he, he has this nice guy image and he is a really nice guy. But um, if, if he's, if he hears something he doesn't believe in, he'll, he'll chime in too. So some of the arguments are great and, you know, we can all annoy each other from time to time, but we all get along great. Back in the day, you and Dutchie were on the desk, Sports Center desk, uh, and there were epic, epic commercials with Rodsky and Dutch. Yeah, uh, there's got to be some amazing Dutchie stories from those times. And like anyone who hasn't seen those, go to YouTube right now and watch. Uh, put it, type in Rodsky yeah, and Dutch. Called, those were uh, awesome. It called uh, Rodsky and Dutch, produced by a guy by the name of Andy Bianchi. He used to work in promos at TSN for years, and uh, I thought it was brilliant. It was a play off the old, you know, '70s cop show called Starsky and Hutch. And, and they used to go around in a uh, 74 Grand Torino. And Andy actually got a 74 Grand Torino for the shoot. You can see it in, if you YouTube it, it is there. And, uh, oh, no, Dutchie was great. He was, uh, I mean, he was uh, he was my partner, uh, you know, in TV. We co-hosted Sports Desk uh, from 98 to 2000. So two years doing that. And uh, worked him at other times, Grey Cups and everything else. But uh, he's, uh, he was a joy to work with, a lot of fun. Pretty funny guy. And we had a lot of fun doing that. That took two days to shoot. We did other promos as well, but that was over. It's funny. It's over 20 years ago now. I still have the brown leather jacket. It's in pretty rough shape now, but I could never part with it. But I, I still have that thing that I used in uh, the Rodsky and Dutch um, ad. But yeah, we were driving around in a parking lot and racing around in this Grand Torino and did one. I still remember doing one thing where they wanted us to jump over the hood. And I was a little bit bigger than Ducky. I wasn't going to do it. I was worried about denting the hood, but he did. Did a really <laughs> slick slide as we were running down, chasing some uh, chasing some criminal. And uh, he did that. I was driving, and he got out, did a slide right over the hood, and then just kept running. It was pretty good. That sounds like Dutch. He's always game for doing anything. For <laughs> no oh, he question, is. Right? He is. He's up for anything, <laughs> for sure. If you weren't broad- broadcasting, what would you be doing, uh, do you think, the last uh, several years of your life, if you weren't a broadcaster? Uh, yeah, if I wasn't, I mean, I'd still, um, you know, if I could still be in sports, I mean, I would have loved to have done something, uh, even keeping track of uh, archives of sporting events, believe it or not. I used to do that for fun back when I got a VHS machine in the 80s while I was still in school. A lot, I of, would kids, say, uh, I, a lot of these kids who are listening to this program are going to be like, VHS, what's that all about? Yeah, really. I mean, that, and, and that was amazing technology then because you could actually record something that was on television and play it back later. That concept, you know, back in my in my early 20s, that was still kind of new. And I remember, 
that was one of my graduation gifts to get a VHS machine. And I used it so much. I'm going back to like 1986 for world series for football games. Uh, remember that the gray cups, of the super bowl and all that. And I used to like to, if I got another machine, I used to like to edit the stuff down. I mean, just save the highlights from it. I can't. And you know, years later, of course, it's such a sophisticated system all on a server. Everything's on a computer now where they melt games down and pick out the biggest highlights from it and everything else. And, I would have liked that sort of stuff because I was I was into sports trivia, and also um, really into the way you know sports stories were being told, and that's kind of I, I kind of pursued that angle. But um, something to do, I'd still be. It wouldn't even necessarily have to be sports, maybe politics, other things, science, uh, but information and uh, the the archiving and keeping information and and you know um, just learning a lot of stuff that people can't even be bothered with. I was a real trivia buff in the 80s especially that was the trivia boom with uh you know board games and, and everything else about it and sitting around having beers with people and just you know doing trivia contests and i was right into all that sort of stuff so of course sports was a natural but if i wasn't on air doing it i still think i'd be close to the business one way or another um maybe as a writer things like that loving to tell stories stuff like that i think well, obviously, you have a photographic memory as well, so you know everything. But pretty much, well, every I have sport, a good. So. I have a good. I have a good. I've been told I have a good memory for useless information, so pretty good that way. I do tend to remember a lot of details from things that nobody could be bothered remembering, so that helps. If you could play a sport, now I'm, I'm assuming you're going to say football. So if you do, then pick another one. But if you could play a sport professionally, what uh, what would it be? Yeah, football would have been the number one choice. Um, boy, that's a tough call after that. I mean, I played some hockey and I, um, and I wasn't that good at it. I stopped when I was 14. I mean, I was okay. I was a decent skater, but once you get to the higher levels, I couldn't compete that way. But, um, I mean, that was the one that I, um, that's the sport that I played the most after football. I had to choose between the two. My dad made me when I was in my early teenage years. So I dropped hockey and went full time into football. But um, I guess I'd have to say hockey. But I think, you know, looking back at it, I think I would have, um, you know, instead I had only one year as a goalie. I think I'd probably try to take goaltending more seriously than uh, than playing out. You know, just I, I would have been curious to do that. I also would have been curious to, to be a catcher in baseball, but I, I never played much organized baseball. Um, I wish I'd played more of that. But I, I'd have to say hockey because – the other sports I did, I mean, wouldn't be, you know, you wouldn't be doing them professionally. Like I, I did, I wrestled in high school. I threw shot put and discus. I mean, so track and field events, stuff like that, which I really liked, but there wouldn't be any professional opportunities that way. Um, yeah, I, I probably hockey. I, I think that would be football is the clear number one, but I think hockey would be the logical thing after that. I was I was gonna say golf, but I was just gonna I'd say golf. that. I was just gonna yeah, say, why know, not I, golf? <laughs> I don't know if I'd want to be, even if I was good, which I most certainly am not. I'm a, I struggle to be a double bogey golfer for goodness sakes. But um, I don't know how much. It's such an enjoyable sport to play when you're with the right people that don't, you know, you you compete against yourself. But I don't know. I mean, I should ask you this because you like and play the sport, you know, a lot more than I do. Would it change for you? If all of a sudden there is pressure to win, I mean, it's not, uh, you might still enjoy playing it and live to go play, but if you're not winning, you're not going to survive on tour. And I wonder if that dynamic, how much that changes for anyone in an individual sport, especially golf, where there's just so much competition. 
And, uh, you know, as good as you play one day, you may be off a little bit the next and not making cuts. And, and that seems like a lot of stress to me for a sport that otherwise would be just a whole lot of fun. Well, if you're a top player in the world, like, you know, Rory McIlroy or, you know, yeah. Phil or Tiger, obviously it'd be, in, I think it'd be so much fun to be in the hunt in the back nine. It'd be a lot of fun. Yeah. But for a yeah. guy, yeah. Like a, uh, actually JJ Henry, I was going to say, but he's won like three times on tour. So that's pretty good. Right. But a guy who's, yeah, just scraping by and like missing cuts by one every week. I think that would get really friggin' frustrated. That would be a really tough life. You know, you have a wife and kids, and you're on the road all yeah. the time. Like, that well, some would, some are living tough. at a car. Some live out of cars on yeah. the smaller tours, right? If they're just trying to make a few bucks. Yeah, no, that would uh, no question be uh, uh, very very difficult. Uh, I talked about it before. I got you on the phone here, uh, Rod, and this drives me absolutely crazy. And I, I want to know your thoughts on this. Uh, how do you feel about when people talk about uh, results of games in sports? And they say, for example, say, say the Leafs lost like 5-2 to Columbus. And people say 2-5. The Leafs lost 2-5. How, how do you feel about that? Well, who, who says that? Everybody. It's, it, it, it's an epidemic. Really? Oh, yes. It's, Seriously? Yes. It drives me oh, crazy. Okay. No, I've never say that. They lost 5-2. Yeah, the they only lost time 5-2. I, the only time I hear it, the only time that I've hear, heard that or would use it, if, um, if someone, you know, won a tennis match. Sure. Or if someone, if we're talking about a Canadian, I don't know, Milos Raonic, if he lost, so he lost uh, two six seven six three six, but I, I still don't know if I'd say it that way. But apparently, and you're giving, you're talking tennis. That's a little more accurate because yep, that's actually common um, to the sport. You know, yeah, yeah, but I, I don't know. No, I agree with you. I just hadn't, I hadn't heard it. I tell you, if I'm doing a show, the team lost five. If if the team, you know, if it's Boston five, Montreal two, Montreal lost five two. They didn't lose two five. Yeah, no, actually, I find I hear more often when, uh, say, a team is down 2 nothing in a series, and people will be like, yeah. oh, yeah, they're down 0-2. No, you're not oh, down 0-2. Okay. Yeah. Oh, you're talking about a series instead of an actual game. Uh, either or, to be honest, but like, I hear yeah, more 0-2. I don't 0-2. know. I'd still, to me, my belief, in, and this, this extends, I talk to people about writing for broadcast. Something I find interesting, so, you know, your listeners may not, but to me, try to try anyway to write your script or write if you're writing for for broadcasting as opposed to writing to be um to be written you're writing to be heard uh, try to do it in a conversational way so if you you know if if you're talking about a team you know if the Leafs are up against Boston and they're down two games to none that's how you'd say it to a friend you wouldn't right? O2 right now or I, I don't know I, <laughs> yeah. I agree with you like yeah. you know for something like that keep it simple and and uh, try to communicate even, you know, like over a microphone or a story if you're hosting a show the same way you would if you're talking. So I always equate it to, what would I say to you if we're having a beer together and we're just talking? You know, I, I'm one of my, one of my pet peeves in writing is, um, you know, the, uh, the, the 44-year-old Woods, you know, talking about Tiger Woods or, first of all, is age relevant? If age isn't relevant, don't even mention the age. And if age, and if, and if age is relevant and we're talking about someone really old, you know, this guy's still playing golf and he's 54 years old or he's still playing or he's still playing hockey and he's 44. I'd rather say it that way than saying, I don't know, the 44-year-old Chara or something like that. Because my, my attitude is who talks that way? Right. No one talks that way. Try to script it the way you talk. I, it, it makes it easier anyway and try to sound natural when you do stuff. So that's that's one of my pet peeves is, uh, is sometimes, it, you know, in print journalism – um, the standards are different and they're right for when you're reading it, it makes more sense, but you wouldn't, not everything you read in a book or in a newspaper article, you, you wouldn't necessarily say it that way. Try to talk it out. 
I don't know. That's just uh, I hear you though on on your some of your pet peeves. Oh, well, you still you talked about your pet peeves. That was my next question about pet peeves. But another one for me for hockey is uh, like say a player had like seventeen minutes of ice time or something, and we talked about oh yeah this guy had like whatever one goal three shots seventeen twenty six ice time. Who cares about the ice time unless his ice yeah. time is crazy one way well, or crazy I, the I other think- way. I was just going to say, it depends on how much of a difference in that set. Like, if he's always averaging around 17 minutes, then I don't really need to know what his ice time was. If he's your, if he is normally on your uh, on your number one line, and and it's eight minutes, then as a fan, I can get some significance out of that. Sure, absolutely. Like, yeah. if he if he only played for eight minutes, I mean, yeah, that's a little that's a little startling for one of your top players. Or, you know, the flip side, if you're talking about a really good defenseman and how dependent they are on him that he, you know, played for, I don't know, in a hockey game, someone's playing for upwards of 30 minutes. Uh, that's a pretty gaudy number, but I agree. You bring up numbers, uh, for effect. And sometimes you have to put them in context when you're talking about them. You can't just assume people will understand for one thing, but also why mention them if they're not all that extraordinary? I mean, I don't know if you, if you do a note that a certain team, well, they've, um, you know, uh, They've, they've they've won they've won six games out of their last ten. Um, I don't know if that that sounds okay. It's a little above average, but it's not nine out of ten is impressive, and one out of ten yep. in a different sort of way makes an impression too, because means they're really good or or they're they're going through a real bad streak. But if it's five or six out of ten, or somebody has won fifty percent of his faceoffs, what am I supposed to do with that? <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. I don't see I don't see the significance of it. So <laughs> yeah, you know, I mean, it, things have to numbers have to be. For numbers to mean something, they, they should be put into context. And uh, you know what? I'll say this, and yet I don't want to sound like a hypocrite because sometimes I'm doing a show and I will read notes and sometimes read them. And as I read them, um, and some of them are brilliant. I mean, we have people like coming up with them that do a lot of work and research. Uh, so often, you know, more than more than uh, most times, I'd say the vast majority, uh, there are notes you're reading through that you know people are working hard at to make you look smarter and better when you're just reading them every now and then I'll come across one though, that I'll read it and I'll think, okay, I'm not really getting the significance of this. Do you know what I mean? It, mm-hmm. it might be accurate, but I'm, I'm, why is that? Um, why does that matter? So, you know, that's, um, so you do get that. I mean, but there are, but you have to, I think you have to consider too, that there are some people that are really well informed and they understand the, the context of stats that you're giving out and how meaningful they are. So, um, you know, it depends. It depends how you know on, on how knowledgeable and passionate the viewer or the listener is as well. Yeah, for sure. Uh, second last question before I get you out of here, uh, Rod. Uh, if you could change the, re- the result of one sporting event that you've ever watched, what would that be? Wow. If I could change the, the res- result? Yep. Of something, a sporting event, uh, maybe a team that you loved as a kid or something like that or... Or whatever well, the case may be, what would it be? I'll make it. I'll make it personal because they're the ones that uh, that always resonate more. The um, the nineteen eighty one Ottawa Rough Riders. See, before the Ottawa Red Blacks, years ago, Ottawa had uh, well a couple of different CFL teams, and uh, one of them was the Ottawa Rough Riders. Imagine in nineteen CFL, we had two teams named Rough Riders, but that's, that's another story. That's unbelievable. Anyway, that's anyway, so the, funny. The, you can have a hundred teams and you still yeah, shouldn't know, have two of the but same. You know what though? <laughs> uh, each, you know how they proud they are in Saskatchewan of their Rough Riders, rightfully so. In Ottawa, there was a time when there was a lot of civic pride about the old um, Rough Riders before their franchise went down the tubes and eventually folded. But 
Um, they had been very strong in the 70s, and in 81, they did not have a very good team, but they still managed to upset their way into the Grey Cup against one of the greatest teams in history. The Edmonton Eskimos won like five championships in a row, and they were so dominant. And Ottawa, just to the shock of everyone, they're massive underdogs. They led 20 to 1 at the half. And late in the game, uh, there was a. Um, it was blatant interference on the part of Edmonton on an Ottawa receiver, Tony Gabriel. And um, instead of calling the interference, they called double interference on both sides. It negated the play. And it was a big, important, uh, what would have been an important first down for Ottawa to run out the clock and win the game. And instead, Edmonton got the ball back at Edmonton one. So that was a that was a personal, because to me, it would have been, in CFL history anyway, it would have been the greatest upset ever. And um and it and it never happened because of, you know, a call that I wasn't happy about as a fan growing up in Ottawa. So that's that was my little, you know, there are probably, uh, you know, so many others like, but, but results I'd like to see to change otherwise. So do you have one? Yeah, actually, I was going to say I was trying to rank uh, these the other day. Of course, you'd think in in my mind, you know, Seattle losing on the one yard line to New England. Oh yeah, uh, would, would be Lynch. number one, yeah. but. But they should have passed, by the way. I, I, I said that yeah. on, on a previous podcast. They absolutely should have passed. They should have just right. done a, a different type of pass. Because everyone in the yeah, world just... thought they were going to run. That's why you pass. Right. right? But no, actually, my number one would be uh, John Daly losing to Tiger Woods at the 2005, uh, in a playoff, and then the 2005 WGC uh, uh, at Harding Park. Uh, and it was a rock concert. It was crazy. Madness. Tiger and Daly in a playoff. Incredible. Yeah. And JD missed like a two foot putt to extend the playoff. Right. Cause he basically, he's, he went up quickly to it thinking he made it and he missed. Oh, Tiger, even when he, when he won, Tiger sort of put his hand in his, in his, in his uh, forehead. Like, Oh no, I don't want to win that way. That's yeah. It. Oh, I, well, there you oh. Yeah. And I, I know how you like John Daly too. So, I mean, a lot of these are, they're more, um, they're more personal things. I remember, um, that's interesting. I'd forgotten about that. You know, the, you know, I wondered what might've been, and I was in Los Angeles as a reporter in 93, the, uh, uh, the conference final between, uh, Gretzky and the Kings and the Toronto Maple Leafs. Yeah. And everyone talks about Kerry Fraser missing the high sticking by Gretzky, uh, uh, who ended up, who probably, who should have been in the box and instead scores the OT winner. And then he scores a hat trick in game seven. And I thought, well, how neat as a reporter it would have been to see. And I, I'm not even saying this as a Leaf fan. Like, I grew up as a Leaf fan. But by then, I was certainly a lot more objective. Um, but the, to me, and I was never a Montreal fan, and yet the, the Habs were in the uh, Stanley Cup. The last time the Habs won the Stanley Cup was 93. They beat L.A. Um, but they would have played Toronto. And for me, as a kid growing up, original six, everything else, uh, it would have been so neat to see Toronto versus Montreal yeah. in a Stanley Cup final. So it was more, it wasn't so much a leaf regret. It was a regret as a reporter that I didn't get to not only see that happen, but work it. I would have worked that series, and that would have been the coolest thing mm -hmm. to be able to work that. And then a lot of play, you know, leaf fans just ask them. I mean, they felt robbed. Kerry Fraser even admitted later he made a mistake. And uh, that uh, the leafs were, they were poised to win that. Um, uh, to win that game, and and uh, they would have won the series in six, and they would have gone on to play Montreal. So that's another one, definitely. I, I think that's my first sports memory as a kid. You know, watching that game seven, that, that not not yeah. game six. I remember watching game seven. Dave Ellett, I think, got the least yeah. within a goal, and then of course they didn't score the next Gre one. But... Gretzky Gretzky calls it uh, his greatest NHL game, not his greatest game ever, but that was he calls that his greatest NHL game, and he had a hat trick for where he banked one, I think, off Dave Ellett's skates. 
and uh, in past Felix Potfam. But yeah, that was uh, a lot of Leaf fans were heartbroken there. And a few other times, Toronto could have played Montreal. Two thousand two, when Carolina beat Toronto, could have been Montreal. Toronto, sorry. When Montreal, Carolina beat Montreal, sorry, in the second yeah, round. Yeah, that's right. And it could have been yeah, Toronto, they Montreal. They could have had in a, in a conference final, that's right. Yeah, it's too, it's yeah. too bad. Uh, last thing, mm-hmm. Rod, the previous podcast I used to do with Scully and Two Mom, uh, the Going for Broke podcast, uh, you discussed, uh, or you were wondering how I said the my hashtag bang. And yeah. whenever you said it last time, I literally lost my mind laughing. Now that I'm setting yeah, up the joke that. this time, well, I'm sure I, I won't do no, it. But I, uh, how do you I say it? I never heard you say it. I, so it is, it is mm bang, right? It's more like, like no, I mean, mm. I, know, I know that's not a no, I know how I, I read it because <laughs> you used to have a bunch of hashtag and a bunch of M's. I used to think it was like mm bang. <laughs> mm bang. I thought that'd be a cooler way to say it instead of mm bang, but oh, that's yeah. just, so you know. you, Oh, I've thrown some shade, eh? Maybe I should, uh, <laughs> maybe I should change that. <laughs> Right, just just uh, just don't change the way you tweet it just uh, you know you, you got at least what four or five or six m's in there before you go bang so i think i've gone yeah. i've pared it down to three m's usually now have you yeah mm-hmm. maybe, maybe, maybe i'll change that right say it say it for me mm-hmm. 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 <laughs> oh, okay what's the origin of that by the way what? uh i don't i i think it might have started with dutchy because i know dutchy used to say like uh he go bang with like a, a guy hitting a home run, I know I know Brian Mudrick uh, would say bang. I don't even know the yeah. mm start of it. I don't even know how that really became oh, okay. a thing. But for some reason, became, then, a, became a Mikey trademark. There you go. And then it's just it's all over the world now. You know, worldwide this thing obviously, and yeah. uh, it just it basically just symbolizes uh, something awesome happening, and you're excited about it, and you just say bang. You know, yeah. it's, just, it's just it's just a fun you, thing you, to you, say. You've caused a worldwide sensation. <laughs> hey, by the way, worldwide problems. Yeah, by the way, you know, I was talking to you about Vasic Pospisil drinking maple syrup, playing tennis. And I love the way Jay and Dan worked you into that. And, you know, <laughs> I think you and I are similar that way that, uh, like, I, I I would just drink maple syrup out of a bottle, too. Definitely. Sports syrup. That, that was a lot of fun to do. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I was unbelievably sticky, even for the next day. I showered, like, twice, and I still was really <laughs> sticky. But, uh, yeah, that was, that was a lot that was of fun. Good. We have a lot of fun on the Jay and Dan good. show, you know. Yeah. It's uh, yeah. it's uh, I love it so. Well, it's thank the, you. It's the great, it's the great Canadian beverage. <laughs> yeah, sure it is. <laughs> uh, yeah, thanks so much, uh, Rod. I appreciate you, uh, you coming on the podcast, and it's been a lot of fun. And uh, basically, you're uh, a recurring guest, so you're required by law to be on this podcast every single week for the next two years. Okay, let's do it. Yeah, <laughs> bang! What an absolute legend. Love that man. I could have honestly, I had, I, I mean, I, I teased, I joked at the start of the thing that I had that what eighty seven questions I could ask them. I literally probably have another. I'm not even kidding, like twenty questions I, I, I would love to have asked him. But you know, he's a busy man. He's Rod Smith. You know, I don't, I don't want to, uh, you know, take up too much time of his. And it was a lot of fun talking to him. And I'm so thankful. I'm so so thankful that Rod Smith agreed with me. If he didn't, if he had not agreed with me about the 2-5-5-2 fiasco with clowns saying the score to being 2-5, I would absolutely, I might have closed up shop. I might have stopped this podcast completely. I would have been completely rattled if that were the case. If he would have been like, no, no it's, it's no big deal. Whatever, 2-5, who cares? I, I, I wouldn't have been able to live with myself, basically. I'm so, so thankful that Rod Smith <laughs> agreed with me on that one. 
it makes no sense. Why would you? It, does it make any? Why would you say two five? That makes you're not. That's not life. That's not real. Oh my god! I could. I literally could do a, a podcast for seventeen hours about that exact. The only topic just being that. But uh, I digress. Thank you so much for Rod Smith uh, for coming on the podcast. Really appreciate you guys listening as well. Uh, contact me on social media if there's anything you want me to talk about or discuss. Follow us on uh, me on uh, hdog at hdogpod on all the social medias, and it's also this podcast is on all the different podcast uh, forums that you can listen to: iHeartRadio, uh, Google Play, all those different ones. Thank you so much for listening to episode seven of the H Dog Pod, the Doug Flutie edition. Mm, bang. This has been the H-Dog Pod with host Michael the Hound Dog Harrison. Mm, bang.